everybody happy monday night today is june 19th 2023 this is across the pitch if you've never watched this show before welcome uh for your first time if you've watched this multiple times thanks for coming back uh as always we have our three hosts tonight i am mike barrera you have if you're watching on youtube or facebook wherever you're at we have above me we have dave miller and jose nunez and we're ready to talk some union man it's been a few days now since we've had any action so uh dave i'll shoot to you first how you doing tonight yeah, I'm doing good. Obviously, it's a you know a big week for the union. I think obviously a tough stretch just beginning. Uh, I think Jim alluded to it in the press conference today. It's going to be players out on Wednesday because of international duty. So it's going to be a good barometer of the week for the season. You know, there's two games coming up where you know the union have lost the reverse fixture, so they'll be hoping to avoid you know the uh, you know the team doing a double over them. It'll be a big week. Hopefully, four points out of six would be for me a good week. I agree, Jose. How are you doing tonight, Goldie? I'm doing well, and first and foremost to everybody out there and to yourself, Dave, uh, Dave, Mike, Dave, I don't know if you have some roaming around, but uh, not just, uh, yes, Valerie's right, but happy Father's Day to everybody who celebrated on uh, over the weekend. Dave, I don't know if you have little Dave's roaming around England, but if you do, happy Father's Day. Um, but I'm doing well, and I think Jim alluded to it, too, in the press conference of, you know, a rested team, right? It's a weird week where... <laughs> Where, where we haven't had a match uh, or a, a double feature match and, you know, double feature in one week. So it's it's nice to kind of get a break. I think you and I texted about it, Mike, you know, to not have to do the drive to the stadium. But, man, I miss it. So I'm excited for the Saturday. Uh, but obviously we have to look at Wednesday before we do that. Agreed. And Eric chimes in as well, mentioning the, uh, the U.S. beatdown of Mexico, which, of course, pains me as always. But, of course, Eric, happy birthday. I know I saw on Facebook it's your birthday, buddy. So happy birthday. Thanks for joining us on this evening. Um, listen, it's, it's been a nice 11 days, nice quiet weekend this past Saturday to kind of just decompress. We got a lot to talk about. So first and foremost, Jose, I know you were on the press conference today. So I would love for you to share some of your thoughts on what the, uh, the, the coach Curtin shared with us today. Yeah, Jim was uh, pretty. I think, I think the news over the weekend really changed the the tune of the entire press conference, and that being of the rehiring of Greg Berhalter. Uh, mm-hmm. Breaking news in the middle of I think halftime of the U.S. Mexico match, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. Um, and that really took over most, if not all, of the press conference, and you know, some. Great questions asked by members of the press um, about his involvement in the search, if any. And Jim was very clear that at no point was he ever contacted, was he ever in touch with anybody outside of BJ Callahan, uh, you know, uh, Ursinus alum, by the way, who uh, they're super friendly. Obviously, him having been in the staff uh, at one point with the Philadelphia Union during Jim's tenure, um, just outside of sharing, you know, congratulations and, you know, how are you, that type of thing, it sounds like there was no involvement from Matt Crocker, I believe is his name, the new uh, director of the U.S. Soccer Federation, and, and reaching out to Jim, which is an interesting thing. And, you know, it's, to me, a little befuddling that no one in that federation is such a passion in a way uh, nowadays in, in the coaching world. But nonetheless, it's... Um, Jim was was excited, you know, uh, in regards to the game coming up on Wednesday in terms of (laughs) 
<laughs> weird week. He was very clear about how unique it was that the Union finally don't have a game for an entire week and are able to recharge. Um, he was also very happy and very proud of the players that are away right now in international duty. Uh, and obviously, it's a huge vote of confidence on what we're doing here in Chester slash Philadelphia. Um, but all in all, I think he's excited to get back to it. I think he's excited to have had time to practice things on the field rather than to be reactive or hopefully proactive and getting ready for the next opponent. So being able to be on the training ground and actually try some things that you typically wouldn't when you only have three days in between games uh, was sort of the tune of the press conference. But all in all, I think the, the big elephant in the room was not just the, <laughs> the U.S. Federation, but Tom Bogert um, really making his money off of uh, Jim Curtin in the Philadelphia Union the last couple of weeks with his uh, articles left and right. So I, I was able to sneak in a little joke during the press conference about, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, congratulating Jim for being the topic du jour of the Bogart household for the last couple of weeks as it continues <laughs> to just, you know, unravel over there with more and more stories about Jim. But um, those are my thoughts, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I understand the, the importance of all those questions, but I was a little bit surprised that we didn't hear more about Lowe or even Bedoya and their status. I know, Dave, you had mentioned last week, you know, I'm surprised nobody's asked him yet about anything like that. Was there any hint at all about the roster for this coming week, Jose? Um, yes. Um, in terms of the rotation, right, there's going to be rotation because you have players like Gastag, who is a sure starter every single week, uh, and Baizo, you could flip a coin. If not, maybe 75% of the time he would start over uh, Nathaniel Harriel. Um but Jim was very quick to say that, you know, it's uh, basically what I got out of it. Who goes up, um, it will not matter, uh, and it will just continue to work. The machine will, will continue to work. Um, but you're right. No one asked about Bedoya. Uh, Damian Lowe was indeed added to the Jamaican Gold Squad yep. uh, team. And Dave, I think English news over there too. Damari Gray uh, leaving the U, uh, the English uh, Federation to join Jamaica, and I think he has accepted. So, um, a lot of really interesting news today. But you're right, no Bedoya, no Damien Lowe, and and you know I'll <laughs> shout out the Tannenwalds of the world who are typically at the practices. Joe Tansy as well. Um, I could tell that Tannenwald was at a McDonald's, so I knew that he wasn't at practice. So I don't, I don't know if Bedoya was actually on the pitch uh, practicing. Um, so that you're right, it was a little weird in that sense. But I think in the news cycle, I think they were sort of really eager to hear about Jim's involvement with the search of the U.S. national team, which flip a coin again it could be appropriate inappropriate i'm not sure but jim was very open and very clear that he would have been happy to have left the union to be an assistant coach in either cycle the last cycle and the current cycle mm. um is that something that could happen down the line absolutely but yeah. again jim was very open to say i would be happy to depart to philadelphia union in the status that they are which is a positive one i think and go on to be an assistant coach if not a head coach at the at the u.s national team so Take it for what it is or make what you will out of it. But um, I think some strong comments there. I agree. Um, and I can't say I blame Jim, especially because how much the, the franchise has preached, you know, the, the national team and being promoted to that level. So I, I am just a little surprised that he does. He said he didn't even interview with them. You know, just you think about, you know, teams or, or clubs doing their due diligence with coaching candidates. I mean, Jim Curtin's name has been floated around now for the past, what, you know, six, seven months, eight months. 
of a possible hire out there, and then he, we find out, you know, there's no conversation with him at all. I just, I just think it's kind of either hard to believe or maybe fortunate for us as Union fans that we get to have him for a little bit longer. Um, but Dave, I mean, what are your thoughts on on any of that, or, or maybe? Let's talk about the lineups. What, what kind of lineup are you thinking now on Wednesday with these with these international duties guys gone? Yeah, obviously, I think it's quickly just jumping back to the whole down Jim Curtin situation. I think sure. it is a bit of a. Obviously, I know we sort of discussed, um, you know, how the union likes to put the, the the national team first, but for Jim Curtin, would that be a step down going to be the U.S. men's national team assistant coach or part of the coach, like like even just a general coach? Would that not be a step down for one of the best managers in the MLS? I mean. Like even if he went to like the US under twenty threes and became the under twenty threes manager, understand that because he's had experience of working with young players and retains that sort of thing as opposed to going and just being a coach. And I don't know. For me, I feel like it feels like to me that would be a step down. Obviously, it's Jim's career. Perhaps you know he's feel he feels fulfilled enough in what he's achieved with the union, and you know perhaps he can go out on his go out on his horse and you know coach with the US men's, then uh, men's national team to close out his career. Who knows? But I feel like. For a manager that has been on the rise, whose career has ascended, ascended, sorry, you know, a lot over the last three, four years, it would, you know, even if there was discussions, perhaps he might even go over to Europe. How would be fair and you know, coaching Europe, it would be a bit of a disappointment if he, you know, just somewhat settled for the, you know, as a coach for the US national team. No disrespect, obviously for that role, but it's just someone that is as good of a manager as he is. It would be a bit weird to see him, you know, not take a step down, but sort of take. A side, a sideways sort of step, you know, just to be part of a coaching staff as opposed to being the main guy at the top and making the decisions. It's funny you mentioned that because today on Twitter, so like Jose, you and I were joking the other day how I got I got roasted on Twitter for about a good day and a half, right? And it was like, well, it was nice that at least the union community was not bickering or arguing. But to Eric's comment right here, not everybody's happy with this rehire of Greg. And it just caused a frenzy of arguments across Twitter. So we had like a nice break of like mayhem and my dismay for about 24 to 48 hours. And now it's back to the argument. I mean, do you agree with Dave though? The side, it would be more of a lateral move compared to an advancement. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, Dave. And reasonable minds can defer in this topic, in this conversation, because you could see that being a platform for Jim as well to get that national team experience, right? Um, but you're also right in that of a coach that has continued to ascend year after year, and luckily for us, with us, um, over the years in Philadelphia has been awesome. To see him in Europe, I think, as much as he says about his players like Carranza, McGlynn, and some other names that are surefire bets that will be in Europe at some point. Um, yeah, it would be a weird sidestep, though. You also cannot take away the man's um, pride for his country in a way, too. And, and also remembering that, and, and I could be wrong, and if Val, <laughs> hate to call on you, but Val, if you're there, I don't think Jim Curtin ever got a national team cap. So for him to maybe fulfill that desire of maybe being part of the machine, and, you know, what better time to join a national team when you know you will be hosting in your home city as well uh the world cup in 2026 so it's almost like a one-two punch being proud of your country wanting to be part of the project but also maybe fulfilling something that he's always wanted obviously we know about his career with chicago and the mess that they are in and maybe jim sort of 
playing his cards and waiting to see what happens in the Chicago uh, project. But nonetheless, it's you know something to think about. I, 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 you know, again, reasonable minds can defer whether it's a sidestep or not. So I went to his Wikipedia real quick, just uh, in case our usual fact checker Valerie's you know MIA at the moment. Um, so according to Wikipedia, his college career is obviously with Villanova. His senior career was with Chicago, Milwaukee, and then the Chivas, and then obviously he's a coach with the Union. So he doesn't look like he ever had a U.S. national cap. Um, maybe minor levels or something that he probably did. I'm sure he did some camps or whatever from time to time. And Valerie actually does join, chime in here: no national cap for Jim. So you know, in a way, then I guess that you could say that it would be a step ahead, despite it if it was not the you know the national. Uh, level head coaching job for Jim it might be something that would be you know exactly what he's always wanted so I can't say I blame him but regardless that's not the point I and mean, that's a different argument for a different day with the U.S. national team thankfully he's here to, to uh, Eric's point he's sticking around and we're going to try to finish this year out with him hopefully he gets an extension and we can keep building here but right now we have to worry about Orlando uh, we're missing a handful of players particularly I know Jose Martinez will still be out right for Wednesday for Wednesday's match mm-hmm. so then Playing around the lineup, I assume then, Dave, we're going to see Jesus Bueno back, right? Leon Flock back in, the, in that six. Do you think we're going to go back to the, uh, the the three in the back there for Wednesday? Um, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, really. I think you've probably got the uh, players to do either or. I think I've, I think I put in our group chat earlier, I sort of said, I think a lineup that I could see happening is, you know, Blake, uh, not Blake, Bendick and Goal, and then Harriel, uh, Glesnez, Elliot, Wagner as like the left centre-back, and then... Mm-hmm. Got Matt Real at left wing back, and then potentially a flat midfield three of Flack, Buglin, and Bueno, and then two strikers, or maybe you replace one of Bueno or or Flack, Flack or and Bueno with Torres, and you know perhaps add a bit more, uh, a bit more spice to that, ele- to that starting eleven, or you could easily see them going with the diamond, you know, that then incorporates the three midfielders, and you can then you know, no disrespect to Matt Real, you can. Add perhaps another attacker as a and then have kind of having to be a bit more of a involved cog in the you know in the in the attacking machine. Put it that way. So now I guess Jose, my question for you then: What do you think benefits Bendik more? Because we've seen everything with Blake, and we had Bendik in net for a little bit earlier. But do you want to go with what he's maybe more accustomed to with four in the back compared to what we've seen with the uh, the three? First and foremost, I think it has to be said that the MLS script writers are just doing a majestic job at putting these Orlando games home and away <laughs> during FIFA uh, FIFA windows, right, where there's international matches. We're missing uh, our players. They're missing their players. Obviously, they're missing their goalkeeper and Galase, who is uh, an unbelievable keeper, I would say, honestly, probably second to and only second to Andre Blake with how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it has to be said, Orlando City, ex-home of Joe Bendick. So sort of a weird thing as well, too, with Destiny in a way, too. Um, but to your question, I, I I think Jim will be hungry, too. And I think he alluded to it as well during the press conference to not lose, of course, but a tie is just as good as a win away. It is so mm-hmm. difficult in this league to walk away away from home with at least a point, let alone three points. Obviously, there are some abysmal teams out there that you have to take care of, a home and away, but Orlando, I don't think, is one of them. So, I, you know, it was not breaking news. I think we all knew about it, but during the conference being confirmed about Joe Bendick, but also Trent Holden having had his fracture earlier in the week, um, 
and still good enough or in good enough shape to be the backup for Wednesday. Um, but I think I think we're just going to be ultra defensive. I could see four in the back, a four four two, uh, with I think basically what Dave mentioned with a Harriel, uh, Glessness, Elliot, Wagner. Then you see a and you can just shuffle these around, especially with how well Real played the last time he had his opportunity with a Real Flock, McGlynn, and Bueno. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then an Ua Carranza front two to try to do something. Obviously, the big, big, two big pieces that we're missing, three, really, with Blake, obviously, it goes without saying, but that of Gazdag, who is our creative power mind, as well as our, uh, I think, perfect PK uh, taker this year so far. So far, yeah. so good. Uh, uh, Jose, could you reiterate, uh, for anybody who missed it, what happened to Trent and his shoulder? Uh, it wasn't a shoulder. I apologize. He had a fractured uh, finger, I believe. Finger. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So okay. he had a fractured finger, which those are obviously pretty important in his uh, side of the gig. Um, <laughs> but Jim assured the press today uh, that he was good to go to be the backup on Wednesday. So should Joe have something awful happen, um, Trent should be good to go, which we obviously don't want to get to our third string goalkeeper. Nothing against yeah. either a Trent or Joe, but I don't think we want to go that deep into the roster. So let's look back on the because uh, Jim is very much a creature of habit, right? So let's go back to that game. So if we if we date ourselves back to what's the date, March twenty fifth of this year, that was the first Union home loss since twenty twenty one. Correct. And Eric Eric just said, "Don't jinx uh, Gazdog." You're absolutely right. Thank you, Derek, for calling <laughs> Jose out. So going back to the twenty fifth of March, this was the first loss since in about you know a year and a half. If you guys remember correctly. The Orlando City Club scored two goals in the first 10 minutes and put us in a hole. And then Andres Perea, which is basically the last thing he's done of relevance that I can remember outside of the CCL goals, uh, scores a goal in the 17th minute. Now, the lineup for that match, which I feel like could be relevant here. We had Bendik in the back. We had Olivier, Glessens, Elliott, Wagner, Bedoya, Flock, Perea, Torres, Donovan, Ua. Now, you think about the lineup now and how we've seen these substitutions – I can think four people out of that lineup already. You know Donovan's not going to start because we have Karanz out there. Um, wait, why didn't Karanz start that game? Do you guys he remember? He got sent off in Montreal, I think. That's what it was. It was yes. that silly card. Wow. <laughs> it's funny how those cards have gotten come back to bite us. So we had the Karanz card in Montreal. He misses the Orlando match. Then you have this Brujo card that we could have maybe used him against San Jose, right? Yeah, so these absolutely. little ticky-tack cards that are, are causing problems. But then, again, there's a lineup there. So you're going to have Ua and Karanz up top. I, I would be shocked if you see Torres up top. And maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't be so shocked. Because, I, I mean, Gazdog's not going to be there again. So who else would you put in that role? He might be first sub. Torres. So then who would play up at the top? If you're going to go with the diamond, who would be behind Ua? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna call it now. I know you're gonna. I know. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say. It's gonna be Ua, Carranza, and Quinn Sullivan at the ten. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call yeah. it now. You know why? Because because Curtin has has said multiple times he wants Quinn closer to the net, and he wants a, He thinks he he can be a capable ten as well as a nine. I I am gonna bet money today that Quinn Sullivan I want to see I want to see a screenshot shared in our group chat Ooh, please that's fine that's fine all and the then... bills oh, say I really <laughs> hope that Matt Real doesn't come on as like an attacking option with like 20 minutes to go you know chasing a goal 
but I mean, of course, that will happen because you just said it now. So first of all, <laughs> we got Jose Jinx in the PKs. Now we have Dave with with Matt Real coming in. But no, I do, I, I do think that Quinn could be up top. But go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I was going to say, I could, obviously, I could see Quinn playing up front. I think he uh, looks positive when he came on against San Jose. I think he, you know. Yeah. Created a good couple of chances. I think he's probably a little more brighter than Torres in his cameo appearances when he has come on. Uh, but good to go back to that other Orlando game. I think that genuinely might be either the worst, the most bizarre substitution of the entire season. Like you need a goal, you're trying game. You need a goal, and okay, yes, Bacalu. I think he had a need. I think he had a stomach issue or something. He was just he was a stomach issue. Yep. Yeah, he was completely like, knackered. But what? Surely you just bring on Raffanello and just have another attacking option out there as opposed to, you know, sticking on your second choice left back to play in like a at wide in a four two three one and just hope, you know, you might have a shot from somewhere. It was sort of like, well, at that point you might as well stick um Trent you know, holding Trent on and just stick him up front and just hope he might win a head or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just truly bizarre. The substitutions that match, just for those who forgot, uh, Nathan replaced Olivier, Matt Real replaced, replaced Michael Ua, and then Bueno replaced Flock. So, I mean, that, those are the three substitutions we had that night. Think about that. And we had Donovan starting. I mean, we really had Union 2 out there just kind of struggling to survive. But, of course, we didn't give Bendik any help with those first two goals. And, that, no. and, that's, and that's where I – again, we talked last week. Right, Bedoya's return had that alters the lineup. Damian Lowe's injury, which maybe is not as bad as we as we thought, alters the lineup. But Bendik being a net does change things a little bit. Um, and was he was he serviceable when he played? Sure. Is he Andre Blake? Absolutely not. No. That's just that's just the reality of it. So I, I wonder how much coverage Jim gives him, considering Lowe's not going to be around. You know, he's yeah. Joe's going to need a lot of help. Uh, and it's not a hit against them. He has no. been a senior goalkeeper in this league for a good bit now. I don't. I can't remember the last. I, I can't remember when he started in the league, but he has been a mainstay of the league for at least ten years. I think in some way, shape, or form has been involved. I know he was. He was at Orlando for a good bit, and then obviously made the switch to us for the last three or four years. Um, but one thing remains true. And that is of uh, Pereira over in Orlando, who we are going to need to deal with in some way, shape, or form. And I don't know that Leon Flock is cut out for that job because it, t- during today's press conference, I asked Jim about how do you contain someone in, of the caliber of Pereira when, um, and I didn't allude to it, but you know, just how do you contain him? And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, how do you contain him when you don't have your best defensive midfielder and you have someone who's not as versatile or maybe not as not as mobile as a Jose Martinez in terms of Leon Flock. And maybe it's a Bueno job, but still, Bueno is no Martinez. We know that. So how do you contain a player like Pereira who can really pull the string and just put people behind the back line, let alone him taking shots? So I think, Joe, the game plan will be very defensive, and I would be very, very... There you go. 2012. It's been <laughs> 10 years and change. So uh, Pereira is going to be probably the, the the biggest challenge for us. And just how much spacing, because that's what killed us last time, Mike. You alluded to it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, not giving Joe any help with the spacing between the midfielders and uh, a Glessness and an Elliot, where Pereira just had a blast just pinging balls over top or just sliding balls in between. There was There was no challenge to him whatsoever. So how do we withhold him? with the bodies that we have i don't know so we'll see I'm, I'm intrigued if i remember correctly and i remember i think danny higginbottom 
was covering this match. I'm looking at this, the lineup and all, and I'm still trying to remember it now. If I remember correctly, he mentioned Leon Flock being basically pulled out of position, and then the mm-hmm. center backs were consist- consistently covering, and essentially Orlando was just having a field day with the, the space in that they had. And I remember, I believe, if I remember correctly, that's how the, the second goal came about. So I'm a bit concerned. Um, I'm more concerned as well that we're going to Orlando compared to staying at home. But this team is obviously different than what we had back in you know March. It, it's a, certainly much more aggressive, much more developed. We we have a better finishing core as than we did at that point. So I, I do have some faith there. But I'm curious how Andres Perea is brought into this because I feel like if anybody was going to get a game here, he scored against them. He's played against them. I mean, or he's played with them rather. Yeah, he was. He was. Do bad. we do we do we see? Does he get any sort of because even the last match, which is when uh, Dave was mentioning, oh well, it's ridiculous that Torres comes in for Ua right at that at that part of the game. You, you still don't see Perea, you know. You're chasing a goal and you still can't get him on the, on the pitch. So I, I don't know if maybe this is his chance to get on. You know, Dave. Any anything? Any thoughts um, on on him? I think yeah, I think it's... <laughs> Obviously, Jim's obviously alluded to rotation, but I mean that could easily mean rotation from the last game to this game to, to like Saturday night's game, which could obviously mean okay, you lose you now Garzdag. I don't know are the Gold Cup players staying away or are they coming back and then going again. The tournament I, starts on Saturday, so I reckon that they're they already are in camp. They, they're, they're in camp. Okay, that's fine. So you know, you're going to get you're going to get Jose Marcinez back. You're going to get Garzdag back, and you're going to get Barton Baza back. So I imagine when he says rotation, he probably means that you know Martinez and Garzdag will probably come back into the starting team, and then the other bits involves the rotation would occur, you know, over the you know on Wednesday. And uh, does get in? I'd like to see him maybe given a chance, but. I mean, we keep we sound like broken records. We keep repeating ourselves every podcast, thinking you know this might be Prayer's t- chance to play. He just hasn't, just hasn't really been given the trust. I mean, I think he played like ten minutes uh, the other week. Was I think it was the three uh, 0 game against Montreal? I think he got like ten minutes, fifteen minutes at the end. That's been about it from him since you know for a while. I think what he's played seven games all season. And bear in mind, you know, the Union have been shorthanded in midfield at times. He's still and. You know, he still hasn't been given that trust. It's a bit of a disappointing sort of you know thing to look at. So I mean, hopefully, perhaps he does start Wednesday and maybe gives him a bit more legs in midfield and a bit more of a creative spark going forward. Because I feel like like Nate Harriel isn't the best attacking fullback. So perhaps they might you know put someone a bit more, a bit better in like going forward, which would be Pereira over Bueno. You know, going forward to actually offer something on that right hand side in terms of service, but. I think I think Jim's obviously raved about Bueno a lot this year, yeah. and I think perhaps you know he's starting to win that trust. So I mean, I would be shocked if he did drop Bueno for Pereira, who has struggled to really make an impact. And you think about Bueno. We were talking about Matt Real. How it feels like Real's been here forever. Bueno's been here for what three seasons now? Two and a half seasons. I mean, he's yeah. he's and he's only what twenty three years old. He's still a kid, you know. These these are still fairly young players that we're talking about here with with was Real. He, and was he part of the Davo experiment? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. Like as little time as we've seen in Bueno, he has been around a decent enough time where he's starting to earn those caps. But again, I mean, Matt Real went through the same struggles. But um, I again, I, I with Saturday being a bit of a circus, I just want to <laughs> make sure we get because that's 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 let's kind of piece these two games together. Orlando is a team that we all agree 
will probably give us more of a fit compared to Miami. Miami has still been in shambles all season. They've had injuries. Right now they're dealing with a chaotic you know, media frenzy that is the Messi effect and all these other new players that are joining. And you're at home against Miami. I feel much more comfortable yeah. to trying to handle them at home. And also there's a bit of a, re- a revenge factor from both of these games. I mean, if, if anything, you should be up for both of these matches to get back where you lost – at home against Orlando, and then Miami just spanked you down and down there week two. You know, Jose, what are your what are your thoughts on on the revenge side of things here? Uh, I mentioned the group chat. I don't think Jim would ever be proud to say we got swept by Orlando, right? Using some yeah. baseball terminology, right? You never want to be taken away, <laughs> taken away, and taken at home. Um, all six points. So Jim during the press conference mentioned about the rough stretch that we're about to embark on in terms of being away from home. So we go to Orlando, we come home to Miami. So that's six points right there. We go to Atlanta. Then we cross the country to LA. Then we come back towards Nashville and then we then host New York. So Jim was very open about that rough stretch of, you know, going away, coming back, and then away, 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 I think. Um, yeah. That he would be thrilled, and I don't yeah. know that he should have said this, <laughs> that he would be thrilled with 10 points, that that's the goal. I, I wish he would Or League's Cup? Uh, of the games I just mentioned. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha. So he would be thrilled to get 10 points out of that stretch, which I think adds up to, what, 15? 10? 10 points. 10? That's it? That's what he said. So you're looking at three Orlando – Miami six, Atlanta nine. I don't, I don't think he views Orlando as a win. I think he views it as that one point. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just speaking what the yeah. man said. <laughs> That's all. So the, the, he he was just yeah, open ahead. about it, and I I really wish he would not have answered it that way because now all the pressure is on him to I don't want to say deliver, but when you put a point based on what you're seeking out of this tough stretch, I wish he would have just yeah. kept mum. <laughs> I feel like that's something that Jim always does. I feel like he does set expectations in the press, in the media, to like, I don't know if perhaps the temper expectations or not. I, who knows? But I feel like 10 is probably a reachable target for this team. I think we have seen. But for us to say out loud, it's okay. okay I, I, agree. <laughs> I mean, like, Jim has come up before and said, like, he'd take four points out of six from, like, a two-game week, like, stretch. I think he said it, uh, what week was it? It was a week where it might have been. The Charlotte week? I think it was a Charlotte week. I think he said he wanted to have like six points or four points or something like that. And I think he said something similar out of, what was the other stretch of games? I think it was something out of like the Colorado, Colorado all the way through to New England. He wanted like seven points or something like that. He's always sort of puts like expectations on things, perhaps as like landmarks maybe to temper expectations. Um, I don't know, perhaps that's just the way his mind thinks. It's like if we can get through this part, with this amount of points, then we were set up to go this way. Of course, as Jose sort of alluded to, whether you go public with those thoughts and is a different story. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is quite an important stretch of the season, really, because I think you know you're still in the middle of you know still in the glut of things before this uh, league's cup gets underway. And um, having looked at the rest of the schedule, I think I think the Union probably have the toughest five game stretch to end the year of any team in the MLS. Uh, They've got four teams in Eastern Conference that are all, that they're sandwiched in between, and they've got to play LAFC again. So I mean, well, Dave, you Dave, you mentioned how tough the Eastern Conference is this year. Yeah, like you look at the quality of it as well. Like it, it's a very strong Eastern Conference this year, and you know you end the season like, of course, we're looking a bit too far into the future, maybe, but like you know, 
no disrespect, I feel like this these are the sort of five games which are going to sort of perhaps tell you whereabouts you will be at the end of the season, not just in terms of your final league position, but how you do do in the playoffs, because being realistic, Orlando on the road, they're going to be in the playoffs. Into yeah. Miami probably will, by the time, you know, Busquets, Alba and Messi turn up, it'll probably be a bit too late for them. Atlanta oh. United. Been... <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that, Dave, because I want my season tickets to be worth quite a bit of money. <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, you know, Atlanta United on the road, and then you've got to play Nashville on the road as well. And this five game stretch, of course, Eddie Galaxy as well in there, who haven't had the best of time. But that five game stretch is a difficult stretch of games. And especially those road games, I mean, who knows if the Union do felt where they could end up in that you know, that fifth, sixth spot position where they have to go on the road to a team like Nashville or um, Columbus. So it's going to be a tough little stretch for them and it will be a good barometer uh, to sort of tell us whereabouts they will be uh, coming the end of the season, perhaps. I think perhaps we do the same as Jim. We always sort of look at that stretch and say, let us know where it is. And I mean, the last few stretches of games we've looked at have given us a good indication that this team is competitive, but now we're getting into the business engine where we are playing the teams or the Union are playing the teams which they're going to be coming up against and they will be in a dogfight for, you know, to be realistic, get that second place box. I feel like Cincinnati are in ridiculous form where they're not going to get caught at the moment. I don't, well, I don't know if Nashville's – well, Nashville, I was going to say, is probably the toughest one. If, oh yeah. I think that if you're going to look at a barometer, I think if you can go to Nashville and earn a point, that's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. impressive. But Jose, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's okay. You're right. I think you look at – Nashville away, Geodis Park, I think it's called. Um, But then I I hate to be looking this far ahead because injuries could happen. Who knows what we do in the secondary uh, window uh, in adding players. Uh, Maybe I'm being optimistic that we will. Obviously, (laughs) I think history has told us that maybe we won't. And and the way it shapes out, we might be losing more than we gain um, in terms of bodies. Uh, But circle September 16th when Cincinnati comes to us. so that would be, I think, a very telling game of maybe what we look like come the playoff. And maybe, just maybe, Dave, if things go our way, maybe that's a battle for the supporter shield uh, with the maybe. way that the Eastern Conference is. So something to think about. September 16th, long way away from now. We're obviously talking about a Gold Cup and uh, League's Cup uh, away type of game. Um, but you're right. Um Jim does tend to break apart the season into bits and pieces, and he has said as much in public. I just don't think I've ever heard him actually talk about points like that. So maybe I missed previous press conferences, and if he has, I apologize. But to me, it was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is stuff that you keep in the locker room. But, hey, that's why we love him, and that's why we want to keep him. Would you say this stretch that we're about to embark on, including from Orlando all the way to NYCFC, do you think this is tougher than last year's May when we had to travel to L.A.? Travel to Nashville. I feel like it is personally. Yeah, I feel like the Eastern Conference is better. If there's, personally. yeah, if there's somebody out there who's got Google Maps, I'd, I'd love to see <laughs> what the air miles look like that we're putting on on these bodies compared to last year in terms yeah. of flying and time zones, etc. You know, like what type of toll are we putting on these players? And again, goes to talk about does East versus West matches actually make sense anymore? And- if it doesn't, because I'll just look at the LA Galaxy match, right? They're just like a bottom feeder Western Conference team. And yet we have to travel all the way out there to play them and then come all the way back. It just it's, it just seems like a waste. It just it, really does. It, it seems like like playing like a team like Minnesota, okay, they're kind of in the middle. 
Uh, they beat us. <laughs> I know, yeah, but to go all the way to freaking you know L.A. or or San Jose just for this like, 11 p.m. matches on top of everything else that's going on with with the league and how many games they're playing, it just doesn't seem healthy for the players. It's not even about like you know the quality of games you're seeing. It just doesn't seem like they're it's. Really, what's important for these players' buys? Wasn't there a player that just released something online in some European club that was talking about how much soccer is being played right now? Maybe one of you guys remember or heard about it. I saw on Twitter about three or four days ago, or maybe someone who's listening heard about that. The, the only thing I saw today that was sort of scathing was Paul Ariola <laughs> talking about how sad he was when U.S. national team players were happy that he got injured, so they discovered another player. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> thing that I saw today. So. Yeah, well, I mean, now, I guess in terms of, like, the lineup and predictions, we typically don't like to put a prediction for a Wednesday game because we don't really know the lineup. I think, to Dave's point, you're going to have you're gonna bring, back, uh, bring back Jose Martinez, Olivia Mbizo, and you're going to bring back Gazdog for Saturday. So I feel like Saturday would be an easier match to predict an outcome. I think we all agree that a draw on Wednesday would be pleasant. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Orlando also travels to Seattle on Saturday. So you, if you think they're going to go for any game, it's probably going to be on on Wednesday where they really just go for it and maybe make some rotations and park the bus on Saturday. So regardless, you know, we don't have too much to talk about tonight, so we'll kind of make it a shorter show. So, Dave, I'll, I'll just ask you now. What's your score prediction for, for Wednesday? And do you have any thoughts on Saturday when Messi comes to town? <laughs> um, stop. <laughs> You're going to piss people off. <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, go for an optimistic two-one okay. Philadelphia. Uh, really? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see it happening. But go ahead. I don't know. I feel like there'll be. I mean, last time, of course, they were extremely short-handed because I think the US under twenties were away on international duty as well. So you didn't have yeah. McGlynn, Sullivan, um, there at hand as well. Uh, I don't know. I just think the team is a bit more complete, a bit more well-rounded. Uh, perhaps a bit more used and. Better, you know, I mean, better equipped to play amongst one another, and you know, to play a different style of play Jim Curtin wants. I'm, I'm feeling optimistic um, in regards to Saturday. I know, I mean, like, yeah, Messi's going to be such a difficult player to deal with. <laughs> and, uh, to you guys, yeah, to everyone who, everyone who you know, paid that thousands of dollars, but it's going to be worth it. But bananas. Well, go ahead, Dave. Finish up. So I was just kidding. But I think into Miami. I think again. I mean, this is a team where, you know. They're in a weird transition, I sort of feel. It's sort of like for a fair few of these players, like this sort of period, you know, they've been very poor for a while now. Um, you know, yeah. just lost Phil Neville. Uh, for Miami, I feel like a lot of players will be, you know, don't say fighting for their future, but like... No, that's be... right, at Dave. That's accurate. There's a lot of players in that team. Actually, looking at the quality of the team, I think I saw a tweet earlier saying that um, Leonardo Campana would probably <laughs> probably be sold for like fourteen dollars or something. But like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of players in there. That, like, again, actually, will be fine for their futures. Like, yeah. of course, like you know, you've got established players like Joseph Martinez up front for them, who you know has been arguably one of the best MLS strikers ever in terms of the production he's, the impact he's had on the team, and the production you know for Atlanta United was done there. Uh, players like him who. Are Somewhat coming towards the tail end of their career and looking, you know, after a couple of bad knee injuries, he'll be he'll be looking to impress again. Campana, who's sort of, I think was he was was he the Wolves player that sort of just sat on fire last year and was incredible for like a stretch of games. Yep. Again, he's sort of fallen off the face of the earth. Like they've got players in there, Quarantine John, uh, they've got players in there who could easily be replaced. I think they've even got players in the field who 
presuming Busquets and Jordi Alba both join as well. Like they're going to be at threat. Like this, this is a team under a new manager looking to impress. I think Jose is right. They are playing for their future. A lot of them will be playing for their futures because I sort of feel like if Messi comes in, he's not impressed. It'll be a put up or shut up sort of situation. That's a fair point, Jose. What do you think? Um, I think the score for Wednesday, it's going to be sloppy. It looks like it, there is going to be some rain, 48% chance. And we'll probably maybe just maybe have another delayed start out in Orlando with some thunderstorms. So be prepared to that when it comes to watching any game that deals with Florida in the summer. So I think the score line, though, I think it'll be a 2-2 draw. Uh, I think goals will be scored, especially if it's raining, uh, especially with backup players getting their chance and maybe not being up to speed. Um, and I think Carranza will score both of them, uh, for the union. And I really don't know, um, what's going to happen with Orlando and Pereira is not going to be it. I just don't know who's going to score them for them, but maybe it's going to be that Schlegel guy who just comes up headers or I have the name escaping me of the gigantic white fellow with the blonde hair, uh, who always causes us trouble. <laughs> um, but I, I think he could come, he could also have an impact, especially if it's a sloppy game. Yeah. Um, but when you look at Saturday, uh, I really do believe that there are players who are probably right now, even this late in the evening at nine twenty eight, probably in conversations with the front office of Miami in terms of buying out their contract, finding better locations for them, uh, yeah, Jansen is correct, Valerie. Thank you so much. Um, but they are in the process of really shaking up that house. And when you have players like Campana, who I think could probably be a starter, if not a very quick sub off the bench for 90% of the teams in this, in this league, it is a very telling story of what's happening in Miami, whether you like it or you don't whether you appreciate what Don Garber is doing by looking away and letting the roster rules just go by the wayside for this team. Um, it's up to you, but one thing has to be said, and it's that it's going to be a frenzy for Miami over the next two, three weeks. And it's going to be very telling of what's going to happen for them. Uh, I think the season is going to be very hard to salvage for them this year, but next year, I think that they're going to be a very, very high contender. It just happens to, come down to how bodies hold up for them when you think of Sergio Busquets and uh, Lionel Messi and what do their bodies look like, especially if they have to come and do it. Uh, Dave, you'll appreciate it in a cold, rainy night in Chester uh, come November, right? Uh, yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see next year, but I think uh, the Saturday probably best to just not put any scoreline whatsoever and let's see what yeah. happened on Wednesday. Yeah. It's the thing is you have you have arguably one of the biggest media frenzies you'll you'll ever have in American sports, right? I and mean, there's just no comparison to Messi. So we really we really didn't get a chance to talk about Leo's, you know, arrival here. I talked to Alex Winley. We mm-hmm. had interviewed her earlier this year. I messaged her as soon as it happened, I said, Hey, what's going on down there? She said it's crazy. She said it's mayhem. There's murals being painted. There's people like as soon as it happens like doing those there's fires, there's people partying the streets. It's just absolute chaos. And I cannot imagine that press conferences right now with Miami are anything close to normal. I can't imagine crowds or anything close to normal, even though he's not even there playing right now, you know, as in, in regular season games. It's just the anticipation, the buildup has to be so distracting. You know, we talk about all the time with professional sports. Oh, this guy's causing a distraction. There's distractions. This is the biggest distraction this club's ever had. 
or any club in this country's ever had. Period. Mike, I would say the yeah. league. Frankly, the league. This is the the biggest distraction his league has ever I'm, seen. I'm, and... talking, I'm talking leagues. I'm talking multiple leagues. And, yeah. And, and, and there's nothing you can think that's a comparison. So yeah, this. I don't. I don't know if you recall much of the the Beckham experiment. When I don't know if you were following yeah. then, but I, I still yeah. have, and it's in a box in my closet here of the the Sports Illustrated cover. Uh, the the my God, you got to look up videos of him coming into town, not just in um, Chester, but other stadiums where fifty cameras pointed at him, and nobody else <laughs> on the sideline while he's sitting there, you know, not going into the game or maybe just watching from whatever. Um, so, you know, I I think the one person I do want to give credit though, and and you know, again, it's up to you to put any value or no value at all into what's happening with the the roster regulations, the rules. We know that they don't matter right. um, to specific teams. They just don't matter, especially when you have a, a Sergio Busquets who's turning down Saudi Arabia money, when you have Lionel Messi who, again, is turning down sovereign wealth to come and play to get a piece of the franchise. The rules just don't matter. But it cannot be denied that what is happening to this league right now is a benchmark. I think you could yeah. look at it as... MLS 4.0 on forwards with the arrival of Lionel Messi. But I think it's for the good of the league, as bad as it sounds. And as dirty as it's becoming and happening, it is for the good of the league. It is. But you also have to give credit to Jorge Mas, who has to be one of the best executives in the history of this league by getting these players into town. And sure, it helps when Lionel Messi says yes. That if you have if you're Sergio Busquets or anybody else, Jordi Alba I think is also linked with yeah, going Alba. to yeah. MLS. Yeah, probably. Yep. Yeah. Jorge Mas oh, has um, to be. Sorry to undoubted... off, say, he's not linked just to the MLS. He's linked to Inter Miami as well. That's there correct. you go. Yes. So it, it, Jorge Mas has to be applauded for his efforts. I, I can't imagine what these boardroom conversations go like when you're talking about when you're talking about little Miami FC inner Miami FC having to pay for Lionel Messi or having to find a way to work the contracts out of players to bring in a Sergio Busquets etc so again just as someone who loves the the, the nitty-gritty of the league and in terms of the financials and and everything that goes inside of a boardroom Jorge Mas has to be applauded for what he's doing yeah. whether it's right or wrong he's just really I don't. I, he's moving boulders. I just don't know how he's doing it, and I don't think we want to know. But um, well, yeah, to, to Eric's point that he just commented, you know, <laughs> it, it would never happen in Philly. Like certain markets, no. certain franchises would never get this type of. Right. You know, Vancouver Whitecaps aren't having this happen to them. No, no, uh, no, no. Not, not everybody's getting <laughs> the mean, LAFC treatment, right? <laughs> no. So, I mean, you know, Ernest Hanna might you know go to Germany on an excursion. He might bring Mario Goetze, Thomas Müller, and you know. Yeah, you know, someone else might bring Jonas Hector, like, drag him out of retirement, you know, for a year in Philadelphia. Who knows? I mean, like, that would sound great, wouldn't it? I mean, of course, it would never be allowed to happen. But still, like, it's just, for me, I know, I, I agree, like, Messi's the exception I can understand. But then when these other, but then when they start, like, take the mick really out of the league and they start bringing in all the other ex-Barcelona players and then we'll look at it and go, this is great. But then next season into Miami, then you know, bringing in Alexis Sanchez while keeping hold of the other three players and they carry on piling up these great players without any roster, like, without any salary cap, salary caps or, like, restrictions. That's when things will then start to get a bit dicey. That's why I feel like it's the same about Toronto and, like, Insignia. How are they affording a player of Insignia's quality and being able to, like, keep her, things afloat with Bernadeschi as well? Like, it's, I don't know, it, it, maybe it's the market again, you know, it's a big city in uh, Canada, but I feel like 
again, it will get to a point where perhaps other teams will get sick and tired. Like, well, look, this is taking the piss now. How have they managed to get five players that should all be designated players, and they've all you know somehow been signed without any without any repercussions? I think, like um, as I said, the only perhaps the only positive thing is that the union might be able to you know scalp out some of these uh, re- like into Miami players that have been tossed to the side, like a Campana. Um, although I'm sure Miami probably aren't keen to do any business with Philadelphia after no, the they're not. <laughs> but like not after what we did to them, but I feel like yeah, that's like the thing. It might get to a point where teams do get sick and times. Like, well, if you're going to you're going to give leeway to these teams, you're going to leverage these teams. Why can't we have a leverage and you know go out and get some of these aging stars ourselves and give them the opportunity to close out the career, like? It might end up getting all, it's to all a point. precedence. Dave, you're absolutely right. And so the union are, are, you know, at times, you know, praised for being money ball style, you know, people, right? Ha- having, doing a lot with a little bit of money. But eventually, if these big stars keep coming and these other teams are spending crazy amounts of money for these players, either the union's scouting department has to be unbelievable or they have to finally spend the money that they have been afraid to spend for years. Because, listen, Michael Ua was like that big signing that we've all been waiting for, but he's still not even that big of a signing in terms of a financial side of things here. So it's... Never mind marketability, honestly. You know, like, you think of, you know, who does he appeal to, right? Versus... <laughs> no, <laughs> let Luca Let Luca enjoy his last year in Real Madrid and then let him sunset. But... You know, to your point, Mike, who does who does Mikel appeal to, right? You look at Insignia, right? He's appealing to all of Italy, the entire nation of Italy, which is a soccer nation. You have yeah. – we don't have to talk about Leo Messi and what he brings. We don't have to talk about Sergio Busquets and what he brings. Never mind, uh, you know, again, Jordi Alba as well. So it's it's the scouting department or the money has to improve to compete in the next couple of years or – I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think we'll ever see Mr. Sugarman ever <laughs> get rid of parts and pieces of his franchise for players to come and play here. Yeah. I just don't know that that's the like, type of ball that we will that's play. The thing, like, what has Miami given up with the league to bring? Was the league financially given them a, a, a foot up to actually bring in the players? It gets to a point, you know, where say Miami getting five players and the league it comes up that the league, you know, are giving them a big pedestal to help afford these players. Then surely all these other teams could go. Okay, if you're doing that for them, surely every other team in the yeah. league should be allowed to get one or two players in the league finances, and then we make. And it'll get to a point. That's why, like, as an English fan, I don't. Soccer see... <laughs> That's why, as like an English fan, I don't see the appeal of Xbox. I can see it from a, like, from you know perhaps the US side because of Reynolds and uh, Rob McAhoney. But like from an English point of view, like I don't see what's so Hollywood about Wrexham. Like, what is so Hollywood about being in the fifth tier of English football? And spending twenty times the rest of the league to get promoted at the third attempt. What is so? What is so Hollywood about that? Apart from the fact that you're you have a budget of a team that's two leagues above you. Like there was nothing because extravagant um, about that. It's like because Americans love that underdog story. That's that's all. You're not an it. underdog. <laughs> that's what I mean. They're not an underdog. They are literally the <laughs> definition of like they're quite literally worth the they, Manchester City of non-league. Like, but they sold it out. as that. They sold it as the, the ultimate underdog story. They right, sold it ridiculous. as, and they, they they took you to Rob McEnany's house in the, in Philadelphia, and he's like, "This is where I started as an Eagles fan, and this is the ultimate comparison." It's like I can relate to Wrexham fans because I grew up as an Eagles fan, and I grew up through the the, the turmoils of being a loser all the all time. Right. So I can see how they spun it that way <laughs> mike that's but... like say that's like saying 
I like running because I ride motorcycles. I think it is like the, I know I, I agree with Max point. It's all this like it's the it, you know it's been like extraordinary over like all like over exaggerating and something like okay a maximum of course they have been through like tough times in recent years and things like to agree but it's sort of like well at the same time what they have done isn't actually that impressive because they've been bankrolled by you know all this money all this money or all these sponsorships that they've gotten in of course it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year and how financial fair play does catch up to them now because they do have to pay attention to that now that outside of non-league um but yeah i mean hopefully you know maximum gillingham's league this year so it's gonna be an interesting year and eric your cousin's a dork (laughs) to eric's comment for those who are listening later on eric says they've branded it as an underdog my cousin who doesn't watch soccer wants to go cheer for Rexham, which is true. They're, the that's why Union Two games are being sold for thirty-five, forty bucks a pot when they come to Chester because right. because people that's only so want people want to watch them strictly because of a documentary that they saw on Net, on FX. That's it. Just like you know, after the twenty fifteen or whatever, the Patriots lost the uh, Super Bowl to the Giants and took them a couple of years to come back. That's and like sitting there being like, yeah, I mean the Patriots are massive underdogs. As if they lost the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but they still have the best player and best head coach of all time. They're still these big underdogs. You know what they achieve is bear in mind what they did achieve was incredible over that twenty year period. But like, sure. it's like pretty much saying just because you know. Now they have all these you know, the best player, best player in the league, and all the best sort of scouting, everything. Like it's a big underdog story, but it's not really. I think it's just a matter of the league. It was a matter of the league just becoming more competitive. And this year, I think potentially there will might be a eye opener for Wrexham. So I think the league, league, uh, league two is a lot stronger than the national league from team one to team twenty four. So I mean, it'd be interesting to see. Of course, they're the uh, they're the uh, bookies' favourites to win the league quite comfortably. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Dave. You're the new kits from from your club are pretty sexy. So, <laughs> I, I I can't wait for your coverage of these games. I'm gonna be following you on Facebook and Twitter yeah. and all that. Say, say like, look, Dave's uh, posing with Ryan Reynolds at, <laughs> in Kent. Look at him go. So, I, and video video me booing him from across like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm excited. Listen, I'm excited for them to come here. But I think I think the underdog story that they're trying to promote is the fact that. Can they bring it from the National League all the way to Premier League? That's that's really what they're no. trying to sell. It's the the first promotion that they got is like, yeah, they finally broke that 15 year streak, like that 15 year drought's over. That's their first step. But now, what was the team that just got promoted to, to the Premier League that had been in the National League? Luton Town, right? Uh, Luton Town, yeah. Okay, so that's their that's the story that they want to be a part of. They want to be the next club that goes from the bottom to the top. So that's why they're going to be promoted that right. way. No, what they want is the Premier League check that comes from the TV rights. Dave knows all about this. That that that's they call it. The, what what what's the title of that game, Dave? The final playoff spot. It's uh, like, it's like the, the, the however million it is to actually get. It's like the game. it's the richest game on earth. Where if you win, you basically get what a two hundred million dollar check to spend and and obviously catch your field yeah. or your your pitch around to standards for the Premier League, let alone the transfers. But we all know that. A lot of that just goes into the owner's pocket, and that's fine. You know, if they yeah. stuck around with the team long enough, whatever. But yeah, it's that's what they want. And, and you know, I'm I'm really we're looking into July 28th now, and uh, a meaningless game altogether, considering it's the Philadelphia Union two against Wrexham. But I'm really intrigued as as someone who's going to request a media press uh, a press yes. pass to be there. I will be there. <laughs> what that looks like, I I is is. Is Karen, who only knows soccer from Wrexham and going to Jimmy and Johnny's soccer games on Saturdays, going to be there wearing all red when she could be supporting 
the Philadelphia Union. Like, I'm there, really interested no, to see the people that will be there. There's going to be more Wrexham fans. Okay. There's going to be more Wrexham fans than there's going to be Union fans. And for those who are listening, I did quotation marks around Wrexham fans because they're just basically people who watched a 15-episode documentary like I did. I liked it. Listen, I enjoyed it. If I was a non-soccer fan like Eric's cousin, maybe I would want to do it. But listen, I mean... It's been the one-two punch of Wrexham and Ted Lasso this year. Oh, or yeah. I guess these last two years of just yeah. like, and and I'm not trying. I don't. I don't want to sound like I'm gatekeeping people, and I don't think that's your intention either, Mike. But it's just no. really interesting to see the the 180 in people when it comes to American um, American football, to football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, over the last couple of years with I, the with the Ted Lasso, who obviously was around way longer when NBC first got the rights for the Premier League, and it was yeah. just a skit, but yeah. somehow Apple made it a award-winning show I mean, and Rexham, who was a marketing genius from these two actors that just yeah. brilliant i was gonna say like i remember actually seeing those ted lasso skits on youtube like finding it hilarious at the time like and of course like it was great i mean what they actually did was obviously great i think it was a, a great tv series um but yeah i think it'd be interesting to see i think it, it for me it'll be frustrating if the league you know starts to pull up with you know into Miami are this big, you know, underdog story. That... Dork. Dork, yeah. Eric. Eric says my cousin wants to go with me, and Valerie says Karen will be there in red. Yeah, but go ahead, Dave. But I feel like it will, I, I do sort of, I don't, not don't fear, but I expect that the narrative will be once Messi comes, Busquets comes, Alba comes, and the league starts, you know, give them a bit more leeway on who they can sign, their salary cap, like salary cap expectations, that when, you know, they do start to sign more players, Miami will be a well, you know, from first, last, from last, and these the conference last year to first. Have we ever seen a greater rise from an MLS right. team? Oh. And, right. and they'll it's... be like, well, no, not really, because they have the greatest player of all time in their team and, you know, one of the best midfielders and one of the best fullbacks of all time in their team and other players like it. It, that's how I, I I sort of feel like the the marketing will be next season if they do really well, of course, if they fail and they fall on their face. All the joy to them, and that would probably be my f- preferred outcome. Can I can I say something about what you said, Jose, about the gatekeeping? Sure, go it, ahead. It, I, I hope I didn't offend anybody. No, it, it's interesting. The way, okay, so I never I didn't think about it that way. So, like, for you guys are soccer fans from the beginning. I didn't start playing soccer until I was like eleven. From the crib. Yeah, I, I was not. I mean, granted, my family obviously watched. I never really. I was basketball. I was American sports through and through. I started playing soccer when I was like eleven. Um. And I remember just being ridiculed by all like the, my friends because I was playing soccer and I was a wimp or a loser because I was playing some like weakling sport. And like it was just, but then I fell in love with the game and I love it, sure. now, right? And um, and it's not that I'm gatekeeping; it's a fact that people just berated you for enjoying a game for years and years and years. But then suddenly Apple puts out this product and, you know, Ryan Reynolds comes around with his handsome ass self and puts out a product. And now everybody wants to be a fucking soccer fan. Detective Pikachu himself turned it around. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like, it's like what, what, what happened to all the hatred that I got for years? What happened to all the, the, the yeah. names and pick, being picked on for years because I wanted to kick a ball around with my friends rather than, you know, no, playing that's, football. That's totally valid, Mike. And, you know, maybe this is, something where we can end on unless dave you have some more i know we meant for this to be a quick 30 minute show but and true an hour later of course across the pitch fashion we go for an hour but one thing remains true and i think one thing that we need to be very thankful about uh as we think i wouldn't 
I wouldn't say that it'll be this year. Maybe next year, depending on how the messy experiment goes this half season. Yeah. That the MLS has certainly elevated itself, sure. right? When you have players who are coming in and out of this league from abroad here and are homegrowns, for example, they're no longer having to go on trial. They're not going on trial to clubs. They're actually going and being purchased. I very well remember in Union, uh, Union, in MLS 1.0, MLS 2.0, even maybe MLS 3.0. I think I would say we're maybe at 4.0 after Zlatan. Um, Beckham maybe being 3.0, MLS 1.0 being like the Jaime Moreno of the world, Marco Echeverri, DC United winning every single year. 2.0 maybe gets a little more blurry. Maybe that's when it was, you know, I don't know. Needless needless to say, I think the league has certainly elevated itself where the talent now is recognized worldwide to be good enough, where trials are for the under-15s, whereas now talent, especially from Philadelphia, like Jack McGlynn, he's not going to go on trial anywhere. He's going to be bought because they recognize that they're good enough, that this league has the pedigree home and away to play against really, really good players day in and day out. So as we wrap up the show and we think more about the messy experiment and we maybe embrace ourselves for the messy experiment, maybe we're fortunate and consider ourselves fortunate that we are not a messy match this year, unless somehow it happens in the playoffs that this, that, that this can somehow be a positive, a net positive for the league, despite all of the negative that comes with it. So I don't know yeah. if you guys saw, I'm going to read a couple comments that came through in a second. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the interview on good morning America, with the guy from the men in blazers. He's wearing that Philly jacket too. Roger Bennett. Yes, thank you. So he Roger. mentioned he mentioned that the United States is going to become a soccer country more so than it has ever been in about mm-hmm. four years. Because first of all, Ted Lasso has been taken over. Wrexham experiment is obviously doing very well, and then of course they get promoted. So you know this, the next season of Wrexham is going to be the most watched on FX or whatever numbers are going to put up. Now you have Messi coming. Now you have the World Cup in four years. So back to my gatekeeping point, as much as I hate this new positive embrace of soccer, I'm also going to enjoy in four years when everybody wants to go to these games and everybody's enjoying it. And my, my, my friends are saying, hey, do you want to go to the union game? I'm like, oh, so I'm not asking this time. Now you're actually asking me to go. Well, Mike, it's, all, it's always been cyclical when you think about World Cups, right? I remember uh, an ex-high school friend of mine, I'll call her out, Tessa Cohn in high school, Every four years, fucking Tessa. <laughs> how incredible Tim Howard was against Belgium, and how many saves he had in the 2014 World Cup. I think it was. Right. I can't remember when it was. I think it was 2014 when they played Belgium, and he had that standout performance. He had 20 plus saves, I think, or close to it. Uh, Val, if you're if you're still around, <laughs> fact check me. But I I remember her saying that that year and then four years earlier wanted to be really into it and sure she played soccer in middle school and high school but she wasn't she was not watching mls she was not watching la liga serie a um brazilian soccer. she's not and she's just isn't but the world cup does bring these type of people around and maybe the messy show leading into a world cup is the best thing that could happen to this country it's all perfectly timed, isn't it? It's all perfect. I'm going to read a couple of Eric's comments. They're actually fairly, you know, I, I want to read them out loud. So he says, I mean, I was one of the people, not that I picked on people, but I did look down soccer players like my brother. It all changed with my brother entering high school and Union coming into the into the existence, which is, yeah, I remember, you, Eric, you've been around for about as long as Jose and I have. Um, 2014, he was very casual. 
and started to go to more and more games. 2015 to present, though, obviously he's much more de- dedicated. Uh, Valerie says, for the record, I have never, ever looked down soccer. So, but it's my first love. Thank you, Valerie. I knew it could count on you. Yeah. And lastly, Eric says, 2014, yes, Wando still ha- haunts me from that game. So, I mean, listen, I, I think we all have different experiences with soccer. Some of you, like you guys, and Dave, you in particular, obviously, you know, England yeah. being what it is. Um, we've all had different soccer hey, experiences. For, for the record, I was in Bolivia growing up. So, I, I much like Dave, you're I a Pennsylvanian, do. Jose. Let's, oh, yeah, I mean, let's, <laughs> you said use on the show one time. So is it, um, <laughs> easy, okay. Is it La Paz? Is it La Paz or La Paz? Whatever it's called. Is it like the really ridiculous one above sea level, which La like Paz, Bolivia? Yeah. Which but Bolivia like uses to their like, advantage, like they absolutely yeah. do, and that's where yeah. Bolivia like beat that. Messi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was like the twenty. I remember it happened in the twenty ten World Cup. I think they destroyed Argentina and then in the qualifying for it. Yeah, they did. It was like six right. something. It was it was yeah, Bolivia's it was most glorious moment since qualifying in nineteen ninety four. I remember it being like, ridiculous. I mean, what? Yeah, Maradona in charge. Well, guys, uh, that was a longer episode. I said on the group chat. 30 minutes. I have a lot to do tonight. <laughs> it's been an I mean, hour and five. It's a good conversation. Mike, I mean, good conversation. Yeah, Mike, this ahead. is like this is this is like your that's your version of Jim Curtin setting up points expectations, like <laughs> because it's all like we, we know we're never ever gonna achieve that like thirty five minute marks. We always somehow find our way to go off on a big tangent, like again, like Wrexham and gatekeeping and things. But I mean, it's the thing that it's the way the league's going, isn't it? I think again, like it's great to see more fans, you know coming in to watch the MLS because it is a very exciting league. When I do see people like slate the MLS, go, oh, it's a retirement league. It's not even that fun. It's boring. Like Teams aren't very good. So, but if you watch the games, there's a lot of good attacking quality. It's end-to-end. There's a lot of goals. Like The only issue is, is again, unfortunately, you have to pay £100 to watch it or you know, watch it via legal stream or streaming site or like gambling site or, you know, but like the MLS is a very good league, and I do sort of get the point, like in terms of gatekeeping as well. Especially like, say if you're watching the game at a bar, and then someone comes in and goes, "Oh, where's Messi? Where's Busquets? Where's Albion?" Like, this is a union game against Vancouver. <laughs> do you know what I mean like you are going to get those sort of fans? And, it, and I do totally like understand like the frustration. It's sort of like when people look down at League Two, and it's sort of like all oh, League Two lower leagues, and sort of like, well, you know, quality's not that good. You can't comment on the Premier League because you support a League Two team. But I can because I see it every single week, and I, I know League Two isn't as of the same quality as the Premier League. League One's not the same quality as the Premier League. You understand that? But I think I can understand why there would be, there. there will be the early frustration of you know when you know I'm sure more fans start to flock. And again, I, I think every country has that issue during the World Cup where you have the the fans who don't really pay any attention to the national team until the World Cup, and you're like you sit sitting there biting your lip as people are showing in the pub. And you're like, well. You know, I, I, I sat there watching us play Malta, beating them 4-0 in the most pointless game of of our existence. But, I mean, like, that's the worst thing of, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, you guys being in the US, I'm sure you all understand and that, you know, qualifying and you play you know, the really terrible countries and it's like 6-0 wins. It's sort of like, well, we didn't have to ever really play that game. We know we're going to get there anyway, which isn't being big-headed. It's just the way that it is and you have to wait four years or two years you know, to really get excited for a tournament. Uh Sorry to go on off a bit of a tangent there, but of course, uh, Mike, um, I, do we, I believe we'll be doing the sponsors before we close off the show as well. Let's do the sponsors. I think I could easily talk about this for another half hour. Yeah. Um, and Valerie leaves a comment. I came to Chester to watch Bolivia play and you, against I was USA. There. Jose, I was I, there. I'm sure you were there. Of course you were. With the tarps off, Jose? With the tarps, the tarps off? Or? No, the tarps were on. Ah. I actually remember. What's the... 
shoot, the name of the redheaded uh, U.S. player. That's where he scored his first U.S. goal ever. Um, he plays in now the championship, uh, but he was with I'm Norwich. Sergeant? Yeah, Sergeant. He had his first goal there, and I think Christian Pulisic also scored. That's sure. Eric's point. He Eric's a swimmer. He says he has to wait four years to watch his sport. So we, we can't complain too much. I mean, we have other sports that are have been around for as long as soccer that doesn't get any near anywhere near the recognition they deserve. But I mean, listen, in four years from now, I've been telling people, you know, we're going to be the World Cup. Jose, Dave, hopefully you come over, Dave. But I'm going. I mean, there's no way I'm missing unless I'm on my fucking deathbed. Will I miss a game of any of any of any caliber at the World Cup? I want to just go to one of those. But let's read the sponsors before my night gets away from me. Statement Games uh, Incorporated at statementgames.com for a fun new way to fancy sports entertainment. You can give cards and prizes free to sign up at statementgames.com. Oh, I just messed up this thing. Hold on one second. Don Distillery and Trolley Barn Public Market in Quakertown. Go to donedistillery.com to check out their wide variety of drinks and spirits. You have Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant in Allentown, PA. Discover a new favorite by trying their top pizzas and so much more. Check out the new website at Vinny's Pizza Restaurant.com. You have Suck at the Grills right next to Vinny's at uh, the 6750 Iroquois Trail No. 5 in Allentown or at Homemade hot and cold sandwiches, salads, appetizers, baked goods available for any event. If you have a soccer gatekeeping event, go ahead and call StuffToTheGrills.com and, and book book your catering. Then you have Across the Pitch gear and all the AAT Sports Network gear at AATSportsNetwork.com slash shop. And then we keep going here. We have MargoReadStudio.com. Uh, Speaking of Margo Reed, we have to text her, Jose, and see when she's coming back. Hopefully she'll be here for Saturday, one of these upcoming matches, to, to get some phot- photography done for us. And that is our sponsor. We have a commercial to play at the end. One last comment. Eric says, I've saved for seven years now. World Cup or bust. Amen to that, brother. We'll leave you with this commercial, guys. Have a great night. Good night, everybody. Support for AAT Sports Network is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. With this offer, you'll join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Enjoy 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code AAT Sports. That is AAT Sports at Manscaped.com. As a married man, I have been there. Personal grooming can be difficult and pretty painful. Luckily, the performance package 4.0 has arrived and oh man it is a game changer inside this package you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver ball deodorant the crop reviver toner a pair of performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold all of your new tools first off the lawnmower 4.0 this thing is the future of grooming because this trimmer is waterproof you can say goodbye to the mess you thought that was good but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer the weed whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs in those delicate nose holes their crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine trust me when i say this fellas your balls will be thankful To top it all off, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. So remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code AATSports at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code AATSports to support us. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Happy Monday night. (laughs) 